This is Greg Lazinski, and you're listening to Baseball BBQ. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is, after I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it away. Listen to the music, relax, grab yourself a cold one. It's time for episode number 39. That's right, episode number 39 of Baseball and BBQ. I am your host, Len Aberman, and this is Jeff Cohen. And we're excited again to be back with you guys our loyal, and I mean loyal, listeners. So thank you. A lot has been happening. At this point, Jeff, we finished the July 4th holiday. Yes, we did. So grilling season, I, for people that have a grilling season, is well underway. How was your last grilling, grilling experience? Actually, my grilling experience on July 4th was fantastic because you made ribs. I did. And they were really good. I used my thermopen. Your thermopen? Yep. And not just ribs. I made chicken. I made some burgers, some hot dogs for some people. I hope everybody enjoyed it. It was very good. You made your famous onions. I did make my favorite onions, yes. Yeah, I love those onions. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Jeff mentioned thermopen. On this episode of Baseball and Barbecue... We are going to have none other than Kyle Halverson, who is a big marketing guy at ThermoWorks. I love ThermoWorks. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a very interesting interview. Definitely go onto the website, check out their products. Definitely worth it. You know, when when we interviewed him, uh, I sounded like a ThermoWorks groupie. You know, but you were a little uh, out there. Yeah. Yeah, but I I do love. Uh, the, the company love their products they're affordable um, and they're fantastic and I'll say it time and time again if you want to know when your food is done stop cutting into it don't get a thermometer and that's all I'll say to that and if you sign up on their website to their free newsletter you might win one right you could but I wouldn't I mean yes if you're lucky you may win one, but I would get one, and then if you do win one, it'll just be an extra that you can have around. Yes, and you know, barbecues are pretty expensive. I know my friend John Krause just bought a new one. He had a... Uh, He's such a name dropper. I know. John's a good guy. He, he uh, bought a new Weber, four, four burner, right. with a searing station. I'm sure it cost a pretty penny, but you know what? You can invest that much money, a thermal pen... You know, just to make uh, complete the set. You know, if you're going to spend that on a on a barbecue, I think uh, you know you can certainly get a nice thermometer. Yes. And Jeff, in the world of barbecue, things have been going on, as we said, but also 
baseball. A lot has been going on in baseball. Yes, we're recording this on July 11th, and this will not come out until another week or so. But we did want to acknowledge the passing of Jim Bouton at 80 years old. He uh, pitched for, in the game for 10 years, but he's more famous for that book, Ball 4, that really changed the way people looked at ball players. And it's actually, I heard it's the New York Public Library, it's the only book, the only sports book in the top 100. It's that important. And he was a, not, just an author, not just a ball player and an author, but he was also a broadcaster. And an investor. And an investor, yes. yes. So I, I read uh, a, an article. Uh, I had heard this sometime before, but I read an article in the, uh, in the New York Post. I got a credit where, where I saw it. Credit uh-huh. um, to where credit is due. Who wrote and it? He, oh, it was written by uh, Mike Vaccaro. Mike Vaccaro. All right. It says, Bouton, he found fame and fortune as a sportscaster, as an actor, as the first investor in big league chew baseball gum. That's that shredded gum. That yeah, it was a great. It's, it's still popular right. today. Comes in the in the pouch. It's supposed to look like chewing tobacco, and of course now as a as a parent, right? You kind of like, oh, I I don't think that's appropriate for my kids, you but, know. But, but for as gum, a kid, <laughs> yeah, and for gum, it's yeah. fine for gum, right? And and as a kid, you love that, you know. It was because the major leaguers all now they don't really. Uh, they know they don't do chewing tobacco and stuff like that, but it comes in the pouch. It's all shredded up, right? And he was an investor in that, right? And you know, he's actually a pretty good candidate for our series, a Hall of Fame year in an ordinary career. Yeah, tell us about the year that he had uh, when he was a Hall of Fame player with an ordinary career. Well, it was in 1963, pitching for the New York Yankees. He went 21 and seven. So that win-loss percentage is 750, which is pretty good. 21-7, uh, wins three out of every four games, an ERA of 2.53. He started uh, 40 games. Uh, I'm sorry, he started 30 games, losing 40. He's had 12 complete games. 12 complete games, that's a career now. But he had that in one year. Pitched to it, like I said, an ERA of 2.53. And he had uh, 148 strikeouts that year. He only gave up 79 runs, 70 of them earned, six shutouts. And he led, led, the, league, led the team to a World Series, which they, they lost that year. But still, that was a, a fine, made, that was a Hall of Fame year. Right. In because America. if I told you that that was, uh, I don't know, uh, a guy in the Hall of Fame that was a pitcher, and he had a year where he's 21 and 7, you would said, yeah, that's a fantastic year. If, if Jim Bouton had done that, uh, you six, know... Six, seven years. Right. He would have been a Hall of Famer, but he did it one year. Right. And uh, and the next year, he actually followed up with a very good year. He was 18 and 13. Right. That was in 1964. Again, another year that the Yankees went to the World Series. Right. And lost. Not a Hall of Fame year no. in an ordinary career, but a good year. 18 wins is a very, very good year. Right. But he's definitely known, definitely known for the book Ball Four. Right. Yeah. And he, and then he wrote other books as well after. But uh, Ball Four was uh, exposed uh, the, the world of baseball uh, to, to some of the behind-the-scene goings-on, um, you know, players that uh, had um, relationships with other people on the road uh, that were married and, uh, you know. We talked about a, a teammate of his, Mickey Mantle, who hit a home run while hungover. Right. 
that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And the Yankees were actually pretty mad at, at Jim Downs yes. and didn't invite him to all these uh, old-timers day until, uh, I think it was back in 1998, he was actually invited back. But let me just tell you this. He, he also pitched for the Seattle Pilots. That's when he actually wrote the book. He pitched for the Houston Astros. Then he took a seven-year layoff, eight-year layoff, uh, and came back to pitch in 1978 for the Atlanta Braves as a knuckleballer. And he went one and three with almost a five ERA. So he, he hung it up there. But still, to come back from 1970, pitching for the Astros, and next time in the Major League is 1978, that's, that's kind of impressive. There's a, there's a quote that Mike Vaccaro has in this article that I just uh, wanted to read. So um, it says uh, he would often sign, uh, he, he signed copies of his book, and uh, time and time again he would draw a laugh by giving a variation of the same line. Here's, it, here's what he said. I know a lot of people want baseball players to say they play for free, but baseball players who play for free all have something in common. They're not good enough anymore that anyone wants to pay them. Interesting. Yeah. So that was from the uh, story. And uh, he died. He was, I believe he was 80 he was years old. 80 years old. He was suffering from dementia. Yeah. And uh, tragically, he had a, a daughter who passed away when she was young. Right. I think in a car accident. Yeah. Right? And, uh, but Jim Bowden, one of those names that he really... I'm not going to say change the game, but he did expose a lot. Yeah, with his book. And, yeah. And yeah. then, you know, that started all these expose books. You know, it, there wouldn't be no Bronx Zoo by Sparky Lyle if it wasn't been ball four by Jim Bowden. Now, this is something that I've seen mentioned numerous times. Uh, right now, I'm looking at Mike Vaccaro's article, so I will credit him. But I did see it in other places that he was known for mainly for a pair of quirks. As a young player... He threw with such a vicious motion that his hat would often fly off when he delivered his fastball. Later, as he struggled to keep a place in the game, the central storyline of Ball 4, the hijinks and the laughs, were just a bonus. He developed a knuckleball. He did. So, so there's a movie on Netflix called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. It's about the Portland Mavericks, which... Jim Bowden tried to make a comeback, and he actually played for this team. It's a bunch of, it was an independent team of just guys who wanted to play baseball, and Jim Bowden was on that team. I saw the movie. It's an excellent movie. Uh, so I encourage everybody to uh, watch that if you want to learn a little more about Jim Bowden. So Jim Bowden, may he rest in peace. We're going to take a break and be right back with our interview with Kyle Halverson of Thermoworks. And if you want to reach the show, please give us a call at 516-855-8214. Email us, baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Check us out on our Facebook page. Leave a comment. Also, check us out on our website, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And? And we now have an Instagram page. Find us at Baseball and Barbecue. We've posted some pictures. Uh, follow us and give us some likes. Tell your friends. Tell your friends, yes. And uh, 
hopefully you can find that because uh, it's, Instagram is baseball and barbecue or right. one word. Right. Baseball and barbecue, not baseball and BBQ. That was apparently taken. Yeah. Baseball and barbecue people, our loyal listeners, we are so happy tonight because we have Kyle Halverson. Kyle is a member of the marketing team at ThermoWorks. We've spoken about ThermoWorks. We've spoken about temperature control. So many of you ask, how do I know when my food is done? Well, this is how you know. This is the person to talk to. And we are going to spend time with Kyle. And he's going to answer every question we have about temperature, their products, how you can purchase them. Kyle, welcome to Baseball and Barbecue. Well, thank you, guys. I'm glad to be here today. Kyle. I know you and I, we've talked about this before. Talk about why temperature is so important. Temperature is important for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, we're here talking about barbecue today, so uh, when you're barbecuing, there's lots of different temperature applications. The temperature of your cooker can be different, it gives you different results. Uh, the starting temperature of your meat can be different. Uh, the longer it's in there, uh, it's really hard to base that on time because it should be set on the counter for 10 minutes longer than the other time and it's five degrees longer going into the cooker saying cook it for four hours will give you a different finish temperature and that could be the difference between a you know a nice jerky piece of meat or kind of a dried out jerky depending on how long that's in there right and you know what we get asked this all the time too putting on a rack of ribs or, or forget that because ribs maybe are a little more uniform but what about a pork butt right somebody's going to smoke a pork butt or a brisket Two things that are very popular now, especially to use in a smoker, and they want to know how long to cook for. And then you read about, oh, it's an hour and a half per pound or whatever, but you can't, you can't always judge it by time, right? There's so many factors. What are some of the factors when, when someone's cooking meat that they have to consider? Uh, you're right. There's so many factors. Uh, like we talked about just a little bit, starting temperature, how cold your fridge is running, can right. affect what temperature that pork butt is, uh, how hot your cooker is running, whether you're cooking at 225, 250, 275, or even 300, if you're getting a little crazy there on the, on the hot and fast side. Right. Other factors, humidity is, plays a role in that, because uh, we put in the air will transfer heat more efficiently than just dry air. We also have uh, factors such as you know, just temperature swings. How stable is your your cooker? Uh, you might have something that's rock solid, plus or minus five degrees, and you might have some thirty degree swings in your cooker. Mm. So the more you know about the temperature, not just the meat, but also your your cooker, uh, the more control you have over that final outcome. And I want to talk about the thermometers, but the first thing, sometimes, and you probably hear it too. Maybe somebody doesn't want to spend the money on a thermometer, even though they're not expensive. And we'll talk about that. But they're like, oh, I don't need to spend the money on a thermometer. I had somebody just come to me the other day, and they had made a, a, a pork loin. And they said to me, you know, you, you, I, we're going to buy a thermometer because we just made this pork loin, thought that it needed to be a certain amount per pound, and the next thing you know, we left it in there, and now they're, they're going to douse it with barbecue sauce to try and save it because they overcooked it. And you can't, once you overcook meat, you can't go back. So it's, it is so worth the investment because think how much that meat costs, right? 
exactly. And Portland's relatively cheap, but if, um, if you're going to go do a nice steak or you're mm-hmm. going to do a brisket, and right. you're going to spend 50 to 80 bucks on a brisket, you, you better make sure you're cooking it right or you're just going to have a lot of brisket jerky and wait for 80 bucks. Well, we're talking about the thermometer on a barbecue, and the barbecue is very, very expensive. I mean, it could be, you know, a couple hundred dollars to a couple thousand dollars. It's well worth to buy a, a, a thermometer so you, you, the meat you're cooking comes out good. I mean, that just makes sense. So, and your, your products range from relatively inexpensive to, you know, pretty pricey. So it depends on, on the cooker, but, you know, if you're starting out, a thermal dot or a thermal pen would be great. I love my thermal pen. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of really inexpensive alternatives. I'm going to have a big box store. No. Uh, if you talk to any of the barbecue guys on the competition circuit, they'll tell you you're going to spend $100 in your either $10 at a time or all at once. Right. So you may as well buy something that lasts. And that, that's a direct order from half a dozen competitors at least. Yeah, you have, you have the thermal pop. Which actually, it, it looks like a lollipop. It really does. That right now, I see on your website. And by the way, the website is thermoworks.com. Right now, you have it on there for $34. If they buy five or more, $20. What, how much? 28 28 And I know, subscribe to your newsletter. These things also go on sale sometimes. Mm-hmm. All right, they always are having sales, right, Kyle? Yes, and we do have some sales and promotions that are all available to our subscribers, so that's the best way to end them and find out about it. Yeah, signing up for the newsletter is a great way to find out about the uh, uh, about the products. Now, uh, Kyle, let's let's talk about. All right, so you got the thermo pop. Um, you got the Thermapen, you got the Thermapen MK4, um, you have the, the new, uh, smoke, well, the, yeah, the smoke, but we'll talk about the smoke. Now, the smoke, which I have, and I love it, gives you two temperatures, right? Tell, tell us a little bit about the smoke. Yeah, so, uh- up to this point, we've talked about just the instant reach style thermometers, which is like your thermopen and your thermopop. So that's something you, you know, you open the lid and you stick it in and get a really quick reading in a couple of spots. And then you cold, take it out and close the lid and keep cooking. Uh, what you're talking about with the smoke is in our leave-in style probes, which is where you place a probe that has a cable on it in your meat. And then you run the cable outside the cooker and close the lid and you actually track the temperature on the display without opening the lid. So that gave you a couple of advantages. Primarily, you're not having to open the lid and check it all the time. Uh, so you can keep your heat in, and that's going to reduce your cook time, because you're not letting all the heat out every time you go to check it. Right. And in the case of the smoke, that even gives you a little remote display that you can take in the house. So now you don't have to go outside and check it at the grill all the time. You can sit on the couch, watch the game, make your side dishes, whatever you're doing, and you can have that display with you on the counter and not have to be running outside to check. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, you one of the one of the uh, probes goes on the grate. What people don't realize is on their barbecue where, where they have the temperature, the, you know, the thermometer it's on the outside, the, right on the outside, right, yeah. is giving you the temperature in the upper hood in, in the upper part of the grill. It's not the temperature down on the grate. 
And that, totally. can, right? So that can be as much as 20 to 50 degrees different, just by virtue of the fact that it's up higher. It's in a different spot. Sometimes those thermometers aren't quite as accurate as the digital ones. Right. Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into that, but if you're cooking, you really, what's important is the temperature where the food is. Right. And also, when you are doing a long cook, a long smoke, this is, well, you know, for people that have smokers, your temperature can fluctuate, and it can also go down. Go to sleep, and the next thing you know, you wake up, and all of a sudden, the, the grill's reading, you know, you get a temperature of 100 degrees or 125, you've got to add coals. And with the smoke, there's an alarm on it, right? You set it for when the temperature gets to, you know, a, a level, and if it goes below it, the alarm goes off. Yeah, it could be any number of things, you know, right? If you're using a, like a smoky mountain, you could be running out of charcoal or maybe the ash block of the uh, If you get a pellet smoker, maybe you got a pellet jam or you ran out of pellets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just good to know when there's something going wrong so you can fix it before that thing sits in a cold cooker for hours. Yeah, what's amazing to me is that people will get, you know, they'll buy fancy spatulas or tongs or gloves but then they won't get a thermometer to check the temperature of the food it's it's just amazing to me Kyle can I ask you on a, a, one of your new products I see on your website the Billows barbecue temperature control fan could you explain what that does yeah so that is actually a, a really cool product that we just launched this week the, there are other similar products that have been around for a while uh, but what that does is that clips into the bottom of your smoker, and we're talking like a stick burner or a charcoal smoker, something fired by fuel and, and oxygen, and it plugs into the signals, which tracks your air temperature, and then the fan kicks on and off to regulate your cooker. So now, instead of having to play with the vent and stay up all night maybe and, and monitor that, you can regulate the temperature in your cooker plus or minus 10 degrees using that. Uh, we've been using it on the, you know, we've used it on the Smoky Mountains, we've used it on the Big Group Eggs, commodity-style cookers, we've used it on barrel-style cookers. Uh, anything that we, that we can think of, we've been testing it, and it's been fantastic. Len, Len and I both have a pit barrel. Does it work on that one as well? Uh, it will work on a barrel, yeah. And now you also have, I love these new products. If you ever need anyone to test these, Kyle, I volunteer. (laughs) You have one, Signals, which actually looks like it's an upgraded version of Smoke. Tell us about Signals. Signals is kind of a step up from Smoke. You get four probes instead of two, and it also has the Bluetooth and Wi-Fi connectivity built in. So... You know that with the smoke you get the receiver and you can add the gateway to get it connected to your Wi-Fi. With signals, it's just the signals and that will connect directly to Wi-Fi. It looks really cool. I mean, I, I, as, as a fan of all these kind of toys and stuff, but it's not a toy. I mean, it's this very, it's, it's a great tool. Um, tell us about this Thermapen IR. So the Thermapen IR, IR is another really fun one. Um, you can call them toys if you want for some reason, you know. It's a, it's a fun toy, but it's also a useful tool. Mm-hmm. Um, the Thermopen IR, it was really 
built out of the deep, discovered from health inspectors, because they're always measuring internal temperatures and surface temperatures when they go out on inspections. And they found that having two big tools in the bag was just kind of clunky. So having all of that combined into one, I made it a really slim form factor. It's been very successful. You get the infrared on the bottom end of the thermal pen, so when the probe's closed, you can hold the button and get a surface temperature. And then when you open the probe, it'll switch over to the probe, and you can enter that to get internal temperatures. Kyle, you know, one of the things that I love about the company and uh, is the the um, your newsletter that comes out weekly. I strongly urge people to subscribe to it. You have the opportunity to, you guys give a, a Thermapen uh, to one uh, subscriber every week, right? Or is it every, right, it's every week? Somebody wins? It's every Monday. Right. And there are recipes, information on the products, if there's a sale. I mean, that's, that's how I found about, out about when I got my first Thermapen. Uh, I think you guys were offering, like, red thermopens. It was very specific, but it was a great sale. I was like, I don't care what color it is. I need one of those. <laughs> and I just got it. But, yeah. And every week we do, we do a blog post. Uh, so that's the recipes you're talking about. We have a chef on staff, uh, Chef Martin, cooks something every week. And he'll write it up. He'll talk about the temperature, what temperatures are important, what to look for. And it's really helpful as you, you learn or even want to just explore some different options. Kyle, l l let me ask you this. When I was cooking, the temperature reads in Fahrenheit, which is you know, great for us in the United States. But what if you're going somewhere where they don't use Fahrenheit, they use the Celsius you know, scale for th uh, temperature. How it, Can your thermopan or all your products go from Fahrenheit to Celsius and, and, and vice versa? Yeah, we, we sell around the world, and all of our products that I'm aware of will switch back and forth to Fahrenheit and Celsius. That's great. So if I take my thermopen over up to Canada, I just have to uh, <laughs> change that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, Kyle, I and think... You have to change your brain a little bit. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, now, whenever I go to a barbecue, you know, if a friend invites me to a barbecue, I bring my thermopen with me. Because <laughs> I feel like uh, I, as I'm watching them... You know, if I go to a barbecue of somebody who, you know, is still of the cutting into the meat uh, to see if it's done, I can't let that happen. <laughs> I mean, it fits in your pocket. You know, you just got to bring it with you. Do you do you carry your Thermapen with you? Yes, I, I used to do that. And now all the places that I go for barbecues, I've left the Thermapen. So, you know, my parents' house, my in-laws, uh, a couple of friends' houses, I have thermopens in other places where I cook, or where there's cooking that I'm eating. Yeah, I figured because I, I do it, and uh, and and I don't even work for the company. Although <laughs> I'm I'm learning so much about it, I I think I could be I could be your East Coast representative. He, he's my angling for job. <laughs> I, I I am. Uh, we're talking a lot about barbecue, but. Yeah, the, the thermometer is, is for everything, right? It's for baking, it's oh, for yeah. cooking, it's for frying, it's for brewing. Uh, it, it's really universal, universal use. Candy baking. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about barbecue on the show because it shows about barbecue, but we have huge market segments around. We do commercial restaurants. We do the home brewery, which we're talking about. We do commercial breweries. 
and then the baking and the candy making, pretty much everything you can think of, even some pizza ovens and forges. We have a lot of commercial and industrial applications as well. Kyle, you can use the smoke, right, in an oven, right? I'm not in an oven, but I mean you could, the probe, and then you put it outside of the oven, right? Yeah, of course. Those right. probes are rated up to 572 degrees on the sensors and 700 degrees on the cable. And if your oven's going over that, I think you've got a problem. Right. Because the biggest joke is those chickens and those turkeys with those little plastic things that, that pop out when it's done. Mm-hmm. Right. So Thanksgiving so is a... Timer. Right. Exactly. So Thanksgiving is a perfect time when you're making your turkey... And uh, you use the smoke, so it doesn't have to be, Jeff's right, doesn't have yeah, to be used. I, I, I'm not joking when I say I, I've never liked turkey until I work at Thermalworks. Uh, I've never had a turkey that wasn't dry and needed mm. a lot of grazing on it. But after you realize that you can cook to the, the internal temperature correctly, it comes out and it's hot and juicy, like delicious turkey. Right. I mean, the the animal, the, the bird died, don't, don't at least make it good. <laughs> don't don't ruin it. It gave its life for us. We gotta have good turkey, right? <laughs> so could, could yeah, you uh, gonna go through the problem. You may as well make it edible. Exactly. Absolutely. Could you talk to us about the calibration process and how, how you calibrate the, the thermometers? Ooh. Is he putting me on the spot there, Kyle? Oh no. I I have extensive background in the calibration process, but that's one distinct advantage of the thermal pen over the thermal pump. And that's that every thermal pen is calibrated at the factory uh, and it comes with the cal- certificate of calibration in the box at no additional cost. Uh, the thermal pens in the pumps, excuse me, are obviously tested and they're all within that guaranteed, but they don't come with that certificate of calibration like the thermal pens do. And at home, that may not be as big an issue, but definitely in the in the restaurant and commercial world uh, where you're being audited and inspected, that's a big deal. Well, but the reason that we are are so good and so highly respected in the thermometer game is that the thermocrat is built by hand in the UK at our factory and they are, every one of them is calibrated and is guaranteed to read within plus or minus 0.7 degrees Fahrenheit. The Thermopen MK4 and I know I, I sound like a, a shill for the company, but I'm telling you guys, these are fantastic products. The Thermic Pen MK4. I'm outside in that. You know, I cooked a uh, I cooked a pork uh, a pork butt overnight. I, I went out at three in the morning to check it. Not thrilled to be outside at three in the morning. It was dark. It has a light on it. Okay, and it knows when it's dark out. I didn't have to push a switch or anything. It knows. It. I, I, I don't know how it knows, but it knows. And then it changes direction. So if you if it's upside down, it can't be upside down because it switches. And then when you put it down, when you close it, it goes off automatically. If you put it down, it it knows to go off. <laughs> I mean, it is an amazing product. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we put a lot of time and, and research into what will make it the easiest, simple to use, and effective. Uh, here's here's a simple question. I I, I hope. Uh, Len's been talking about the Thermopen MK4. What does 
MK4 stand for? Pendleton is actually Mark IV, so Revision IV. Oh, okay. Uh, the classic Pendleton was the third. And it's the series of Thermopen. Now you have the classic Thermopen, right? The, uh, just Thermopen. So it's a little less money. What, oh, and even the Thermopen MK4 is waterproof, right? Yeah, the Thermopen Mark IV is waterproof. The, the thing that you gain by stepping up to the new thermal pen is that rotating display like you're talking about and the backlight. So in the, in, when you're outside in the dark, there, there's a white sensor on the thermal pen. You actually see a little black dot next to the, the display. That's the sensor. And when it's dark, the lights up. The classic thermal pen does not have that. Right. So thermal works not just doesn't have just thermometers, they have alarms, they have timers, they have handheld probes. Talk about some of those other products. Yeah, obviously thermal works are present in the thermometer, but that's not the only tool you need in the kitchen or a commercial environment. So we do have a full line of timers. We have milk and quality, already standard. We say, what, what do you really need out of the timer? And we make the, the compact time sticks that you can wear around your neck or clip on your pocket. And then we make the, what we call the extra big and loud timer, which is extra big and extra loud. So it's got big soft buttons and it's a very loud reminder. And so it's in the kitchen or environment, uh, it will let you know uh, when the timer is up. We also have some humidity meters. And we sell even some barbecue accessories. Yeah, they, I mean, you have books, you have... I don't know how you keep coming out with things. You must have some kind of... Uh, product development department there. <laughs> well, we do. We have a dedicated team for product development, and that's another great point. Uh, everything that we manufacture is designed by us here in Utah and built for a purpose. We don't just go buy stuff off the shelf in a, in a Chinese marketplace or any other part of the world. Everything that we do is intentional. And, and you have products that come in fun sizes. I see a fun-size thermometer. Well, this is one I, d I never saw before, Kyle. Fun-size thermometer? Yes, we do have the fun-size thermometer. It's, it's kind of a neat little thing to keep on a keychain. <laughs> That's uh, pretty cool. That, and then you definitely will have it at a barbecue. You, you'll always have it. <laughs> yes, it, it does have a very short probe on it, so the uses are limited, but it's just a fun-size, it's a fun thermometer. And you have the hats. They have hats. They have spatulas. Ice cream scoops. Wow. Yeah, this is great. So everybody, go on to thermoworks.com. Take a look around. Enter to win a thermopen. Request a catalog. And they have a, you actually have a warning on your website saying you should really buy it directly from Thermoworks because the other sites mark up and the really lowest price would come from directly from the company. That's correct. Yeah, we, unfortunately, we do have to put that up there. $189 on Amazon from people that buy them and resell them. That's just unfortunate when we get those calls and say I spent almost $200 on this unit and it, you know, I'm not happy with it. When really it should be $79 to $99. So the, so the best pricing and the, and the direct warranty to purchase right from thermalworks.com. That's great. Yeah, Kyle, one more thing. I know that you went to Memphis in May this year. Yes, I did. I was lucky enough to do that. Could just... Give us, uh, we've never been to Memphis in May. We went to a small barbecue competition uh, in Staten Island, New York, which, I mean, Memphis in May is like one of the big competitions. Uh, just give us a brief 
description of what you saw and what what people would will see if they go there next year? Oh sure, yeah, this was great. It was actually my first time in Memphis in May. Um, it's kind of a they coveted position in the company because you get to go travel to all these cool events. I really had no idea what to expect. I thought I had an idea, but it really exceeds everything you'd ever think, right? So you walk in and it's just tents and tents and hundreds of competitors and smokers. And during the day, these guys are out cooking or practicing. And you, if you turn in, say, four or five racks of ribs for judging, I mean, they're cooking 20 racks of ribs for practice the day before and then 20 racks of ribs the day of so that they can pick the best ones to turn in. And then if you make it to the top 10, you're going to, you know, turn in a few more a few hours later. So not only are they cooking those 20, they're actually staggering and cooking a few, a few more a few hours later. And it's, it's a big, it's a fun party and competition. Yeah, it, I've, I've seen the booths. They spend thousands of dollars on the booths. Yes, it is not cheap to compete. Uh, there are a lot of sponsorships, uh, corporate sponsorships that allow for a team to compete. And, you know, as fierce as the competition can get, the guys are all super friendly and, uh, you know, barbecue first, right? If, if one guy needs some charcoal from another guy and he's got extra, they're more than happy to help out. There are, you know, certain things that they keep secret, so there's the competitive edges, but as far as that stuff goes, everybody's friendly. It's just the nicest group of guys. Oh, and you know what? I just saw an article. They were talking about how barbecue is becoming so popular, and they were talking about, you know, the um, the pitmaster show, you know, the competition shows on TV. And your company was mentioned in the article because they said they show you this competition, and they they don't show you them testing the meat with the thermometers and stuff. And they mentioned ThermoWorks. They said they don't show a ThermoWorks products being used or something. It was interesting that they, they mentioned you guys. I mean, you guys are, whenever they're mentioning uh, the thermometers and stuff, they always bring you guys up. So I just thought you'd, I'd, I have to find where I saw that article, though. I, I'll try and send you a copy. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, we walk down the aisles there and, and we can see, it's great to see ThermoWorks products in the wild. And we see them at almost every booth. It's, it's just fun to go. We get to hang out with some of the guys there that are competing that represent our brand. And honestly, we get to eat some of the best barbecue in the country. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's yeah. lots of extra. Yeah. Although, and you know what? I just read something else. They were talking about uh, uh, barbecue and competition barbecue and how some of it it's different than something you cook in your own backyard competition barbecue is very different than uh what you'd actually you know cook for guests absolutely competition barbecue is just one bite barbecue you have you know sometimes one bite to impress a judge so you have to pack as much flavor as you can into those bites that they're taking so that judge has got a you know, take several bites from several different competitors. So you've got to impress from that, that very first bite. So they pack a ton of flavor, a ton of sweet, and that puts a little bit of heat in there. And it'll, you know, smoke, obviously smoke. But if you were to eat a full wrap of ribs the way they compete in competition, it might be too much. And the other thing with the ribs, 
is competition ribs are supposed to have a tug. They're not supposed to be fall off the bone. If you ask people, excuse me, if you ask people how they like their ribs, most people will say they like them fall off the bone. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if that's a pervert or a, something that's happened over here in the marketing from restaurants, but in my opinion, is that if you like it, it's not a wrong way to cook it. Mm. Uh, whether you, when you cook a competition, they do have very strict and technical rules that you have to meet, so sometimes that does differ from what you like at home. Absolutely. Yeah. Kyle, we can't tell you enough how much we appreciate you coming on. Our listeners, when you purchase their products, I don't know if there's a comment section or something, tell them you found out about them on baseball and barbecue. I'm sure they would be happy to know that. So, Kyle, thank you again for uh, being with us tonight. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. I'm Ed Randall, and you're listening to Baseball and Barbecue. And if you want to reach the show, give us a call at 516-855-8214. Email us at baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Check out us on our Facebook page. Leave a comment. Also, check us on our website, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. Jeff, I found something on the Internet. On the Internet? The World Wide Web? That's correct. The World Wide Web. Found a, an interesting article. Okay. All right. It's uh, by Will Leach. Okay. From March 12, 2019. What he's talking about is the teams, the baseball teams, if there's a Hall of Famer, that if there's somebody that goes into the Hall of Fame, the team is going to have, who's that team's next Hall of Famer? It'll make sense as I go. Okay. okay here we go. Okay. All right. So, for instance, and I want you to guess... Who you think it's going to be. Okay. Right? Yep. So, the American League East. I'm going to go in order here. Who is going to go into the Hall of Fame next wear a Blue Jays hat? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, this is, just think, uh, Home Run Derby, believe it or not. Oh, Guerrero? Guerrero? Yeah. Really? He has Vladimir Guerrero. Oh, wow. Yeah. Guy so, played two months in the major leagues. He's uh, going to the Hall of Fame, huh? Yeah. Now, okay. it's it's interesting because he says here, I guess in March, they hadn't had the um, balloting yet, or right. they, they hadn't announced who got in, because he says, since we're assuming Halliday is getting in, it's safe to assume that Toronto's next Hall of Famer has not even played in a major league game yet. Okay. <laughs> All right. It might not be Guerrero, but it's almost definitely someone you haven't seen yet. But, okay, so... okay. Based on the whole of uh, based on the um, home run derby performance, I put him in right now. <laughs> I mean, he okay. has ninety one home runs. That don't count. <laughs> Not in the record books. <laughs> I think they're going to start. You know how they they were making the all star game worth something, yeah. right? They would home field advantage, right? Can you? Well, they actually they gave a million dollars. They gave a million dollars. That's more than uh, yeah. <laughs> That home field. I yeah. mean, that's not bad. No. It's not bad. But they should have given... They should give something for the runner-up or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, get something. I, I don't know if he will or not, but who knows. Anyway. All right. Next. Now, this is interesting. Well, Orioles. Because I just saw it. It, it says Manny Machado. <laughs> which could be possible. He might go in. If he goes in, he may go in with an Oriole hat. Right. See, that's the thing also. Is this is based on 
who they think right. he's going to wear the hat of. Okay. So, I mean, maybe he'll have an incredible career with San Diego and play maybe. the next 10 years with San Diego. Maybe. Or, right? And yeah. go in as a, as a Padre. Right. All right. Okay. The Rays. Rays. Uh, I guess right now you'd say Snell. Uh, well, he says Evan Longoria. Evan Longoria. Yeah, I didn't right. think of him because he was on the Giants. Yep. Okay. But I don't think he's getting the Hall of Fame. Yeah, this is an interesting one. The Red Sox. Red Sox have a lot of uh, possibilities. Yeah. A lot of yeah. possibilities. Yeah, so this is guessing who this guy thinks. Right. But, yeah, I guess he would go in, if he goes in ever, that's a hint, uh-huh. as a Red Sox. I mean, it would be as a Red Sox. Uh-huh. Uh, but he played with some other teams. What, David Ortiz? No, but uh, this is somebody who misremembered. Oh, Clemens, he's not getting in. Yeah, Next. well, okay. Oh, Yankees. He's, the, oh, this is... Uh, he's got, oh, well, does Rivera count because he's already... I guess he's already voted in. Yeah, uh, he, right. After, okay, so, oh, Jeter. Duh. Yeah, and then, are you going to love this? He hits the ballot next year. Will he surpass Rivera's vote total? He can't. <laughs> well, at the time, we didn't know. Right. But, yeah, he can't. Exactly. All right. The Indians. Indians. I have no idea. Yeah. Francisco Lindor. Really? Okay. okay. That's a long time from now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Royals. <laughs> Nobody. I don't even. Uh, Salvador Perez. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, that's a long time from now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tigers. Tigers? Well, do they have Verlander as a tiger? Yeah, well, that's... It, they. He says Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera's a good right? one, another one, But too. then he says it's him or Justin Verlander, right, and it kind of depends who retires first. Okay, and they're both going. Yeah. They're both so, going. So Verlander as a tiger, right. no matter how many more years, yeah, I guess, exactly. he pitches with, with I, Houston. I agree, yeah. Okay. The Twins. The Twins. Uh, that would be Joe Maurer. Yeah. All right. Now, let's see. The White Sox. White Sox. Uh, I, 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 I don't know the team. Well, he's now playing with the uh, with the Red Sox. Chris Sale. Chris Sale. Uh, right. Yeah, if he goes okay. in. Yeah, okay. But, I, I mean... Big if. Yeah, that's a big if. That's a big if. But he even says he'll need some amazing years over yes. the next half decade. Yeah. And then he'll go in as a Red Sox then. But, right. I mean, well... Yeah, he says if, White Sox, but who if, knows? If he All goes, right. yes. All right, here's this one's easy. Angels. Mike Trout. Okay. Astros. Wait a second. With the Angels? What about, well, I guess Pujols will go in as a Cardinal. Okay, who else? Astros? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, Pujols will go in as a Cardinal. But right. Trout, Angels. Uh, Astros. Astros. Again, uh, oh, oh, what's his name? Altuve. Right, exactly. Uh, athletics. Altuve or, Cor- or Carrera. Athletics. Oh, they keep trading their players so no one stays there long enough. Yeah, they say Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean that's really... He'll have to get him with a ticket. <laughs> Mariners. Mariners. Well, it'll be King Felix. Felix Hernandez. You know, it's interesting because they're, say, they're, they're saying the next Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. It depends when each one retired or whatever. Right. But in this case, Ichiro Suzuki. Oh, Suzuki. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But it's a, now it's interesting because it says of, in this article, which is from March right. of 2019, it says, "Of course, this will require him officially retiring at some which point." Which he officially retired this year, right? Uh, but he did play in two games this season, so does right. it start next season? I don't mm. know. Yeah, well, but, that's but Felix Hernandez is still pitching, so it is going to be right. Suzuki. It'll, right. It will be Suzuki, right? Now, all right, this one is interesting, and I don't. He gives an argument why. 
But the Braves. The Braves. Is he saying Brian McCann? No. And and he's not saying Ronald Acuna. It's, gonna, it's the other one. It's the other one. Right. Uh, he's he's actually saying two time MVP in a row. Two time MVP in a row. Oh, Murphy. Yeah. Well, yeah, he should have been there a long time ago. He says Murphy is perhaps the most beloved non-Hall of Famer on earth. Well, I, I'll have to argue with you with Gil, Gil Hodges. But both of them should both right. be in. Yes, agreed. Now that Mariano is about to be in. Right. If the Veterans Committee is opening the doors for Harold Baines, it has to open them for Dale, too. And Gil Hodges. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Marlins. Oh. Marlins. Marlins. They, don't tell me Jill Carl Stanton. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now... The Mets. This is this is interesting. Gil Hodges. Uh, no, that's not who he puts. But would have been David Wright. Well, Gil Hodges wouldn't. Go, Gil Hodges wouldn't go in as a Met. I don't. No, think. I know, but uh, yeah, I know. I mean, so that's the thing. It, it could be Gil Hodges eventually, but not maybe as a Met. So Mets. Uh, it would have been David Wright, but that's not happening. So it's got to be someone after him. There was nobody really. So, uh, I'm just going to say DeGrom for the, for the heck of it. It's not DeGrom, but this is where the situation comes in where what team is the guy going to go in for? Right. In other words, oh, who okay. played for many teams? Oh, Cano? N- no. Cano. Now he's oh, yeah, the uh, the PEDs, right? Yeah. No, actually, uh, he played for the Yan- actually he played for the Yankees. Well, that's Cano. No, no, no he played... Oh, all of a sudden I'm drawing a blank on all the teams he played for, but he played for multiple teams. Actually, he, no, he, did he play for the Yankees? He offered his services to the Yankees. Oh, Beltran. Yeah. Oh, that, that yeah. Right. I said he played for the Yankees. He did. He did play for the right. Yankees. Okay. And actually, yeah. when he, when he, before right. he signed with the right. Mets, yes. he offered, he offered services his services to the Yankees. Right. He later played for the Yankees. For a lower yes. salary. He said, I'll yes. go to the Yankees for, for less pay. Right. Yankees said no. Yeah. Then he signed with the Mets. Yeah. Uh, what a turncoat he is! Yeah, he played for the Yankees later. Right, he played as many seasons in, but here's he played as many seasons in Kansas City as right. he did in New York. But he, he had better years. In New Numbers York. were better. He'll go in as a New York, disappointingly. All right, Nationals. Nationals. Well, it won't be uh, Bryce Harper. Uh, it'll be uh, Strasburg. No, actually, here. Well, they say Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. Okay, yeah, he's older. He'll go in. Okay, he's. he's you know what? Right now, I'm convinced he's a Hall of Famer. He, he's definitely going in. Phillies. Phillies. I'll give you a hint. Yeah. Bloody Sock. Oh, Kurt Schilling? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that wasn't with the Phillies. That was with the Red Sox. Right. It was with the Red he, Sox, the Bloody Sock. He can but... go in with the Philly. He can go in as a Red Sox. He can go in as, as an, a Diamondback. He had those Right. Things. That's true. He, he won a World Series yeah. with the Diamondbacks. Yeah. 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 But they ha- this guy that wrote yeah. the article says Phillies. Okay. All right. Brewers. Brewers, Chris uh, and Yelich. That would be a good guess because he puts Ryan Braun. Ryan but Braun. he says it's a long shot and the PED suspension. Yeah, Ryan Braun's not getting in. Yeah, no. Suspended. Right. Suspended. Okay. Yeah. Cardinals. This was simple. Yeah. Pools, of course. Yeah. Cubs. Cubs. Uh, Ru- I get Rizzo or Bryant. 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 It's Bryant. Okay. Yeah, he says he actually says. Uh, if Clemens and Bonds get in, there could be a how do you tell the story of baseball without Sammy Sosa? Veterans Committee pick well, of Sosa. Yeah. If not, Brian's the pick. Well, you know that what? is, unless Anthony Rizzo has a late career surge that takes his baseball card stats to a new Well, level what, well you t- you're talking about Bonds and Clemens. What about Rafael Pomero, who played for the Cubs, has 3,000 hits, has 500 homers? 
But again, he has the PEDs. Right. But if they PEDs, get in, he should get in. And pointed... Oh, didn't he... He uh, did point that right. he lied. Yeah. Right. right, right. No, I get that. Yeah, yeah. But here's right. a guy who had 3,000 hits, 500 home runs. Not, yes. No one's talking about him. Right. Pirates. Pirates. Uh, McCutcheon. Right. Okay. Reds. Reds. Uh, Gallo. Uh, uh, whatever his name is. Uh, Joey Gallo? Votto. Votto. Right, Votto. Votto, Votto yeah. All right, Diamondbacks. Uh, well, that would be Kurt Schilling. <laughs> Actually, it says Paul Goldschmidt. Paul, eh, he's got a ways to go. Yeah. Dodgers. Dodgers. Oh. If the guy's on the team right now would be Cody Bellinger. Uh, but I'm trying to think of, of past guys in the past few. Oh, Kurt, uh, Kershaw. Yeah, Kershaw. Kershaw, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the uh, Giants. Actually, Kershaw should just go walk right in. They don't have to wait five years. He's, he's automatic. For yeah, of course. Giants, uh, I would say Posey or, or Mad- Madison Baumgartner. Well, what you got to do though is um, remember he's retired, uh-huh. and you got to take away the PEDs. Oh, and then Barry Bonds. Yeah, Barry Bonds. Okay, and then Padres. Now Padres, I would say uh, Machado, Machado, possibly yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but they say Fernando Tatis. Fernando Tatis. Right. Junior. Junior, yes. Again, he only played two months, right. three months. And then the last team they have here listed, Rockies. Rockies. Uh, Todd Helton. Larry Walker. Larry Walker? Yeah. He's he's on the cusp. You can make an argument. You can make an argument that where he played, yeah. his Colorado numbers were much better uh, than his on-the-road numbers. You know but what? I, to me... He's very close, but not in. Right. Okay. But then again, I'm a very tough grader. I would not have put in uh, Mussina. No. Who, who, but he's, go, he's going in. I would not have put in Mussina. You know, either. there's actually right. an argument going around now about CeCe Sabathia. I know some people say he's automatic, and there's, there's other people, writers, Joe Beningo and WFAN, say he's borderline. So, you know, it, it, it's an argument. People are saying uh, it goes in automatically. He has 3,000 strikeouts, but, stri- you know, he's get, racked up 1,000 strikeouts the last couple of years because. Everybody's striking out, so it's it's going to be interesting yeah. how that plays out. There's writers who say like John Hopper and and uh, oh, I just heard another one. John Heyman say they're not. He's not automatic, but then again, you have guys on this and it, he, he walks in. So you never know. Well, Mucina's in, Sabathia goes in. Oh yeah, because they're, they're all standards. Yeah, I mean I, right, uh, but well, no. See, I disagree. I think I think Sabathia is a Hall of Famer. Uh-huh. Uh He's he, He's had some great years. He's I, I would counter that saying he had some very good Hall of Fame years. I don't think he had enough of them, but I don't vote. So Right. Okay. Do we have time to look up Sabathia's stats? Uh, we do. Hold on. All right. So I pulled up CC Sabathia's stats. Right. He had some very, very good years, like I said. He was 19-8. and eight. He led the league in, in wins that year. In 2010, he had 21-7. We'll start with 2001. 2001, 17-5. Right, he was runner-up for Rookie of the Year. Runner-up Rookie of the Year, right. yes. Okay. Then he followed up with 13-11, 13-9, 11-10. 15-10 was pretty good. 12-11. You know, then, then, you know, he had a little slide. Right. Then he had two pretty good years with the Yankees. But, the, you know, the Yankees were the Yankees back in 2009, 2010. You know, last couple of years, you know, from age 32 to now, not very good. But like I said, I don't. I think he had some Hall of Fame years, but to me, it's not enough. Now I understand the Yankees were the Yankees. Okay, so so one loss totals may be slightly altered because the Yankees will out hit and you know out slug the team. But 
his ERA in those years. Let's see. In 2009 with the Yankees, he was 19 and 8. He had a 3.37. That's pretty good. Pretty good, and yeah. And twenty-one and seven the next year in two thousand ten with the Yankees, and he had a three point one eight ERA, and that's pretty good too. Uh, but I'm looking at overall ERA now. He's right. almost a hundred years, hundred years, hundred <laughs> wins over his, his losses, which is right. look that that's fantastic. Right. right, no no doubt about that. But his average one hundred sixty-two game average, right. fifteen and ten with a three point seven one ERA. That to me. So is he, is he a compiler? The, you know what? The last, I would say the last six years, six, seven years, yeah. He's been a compiler the last... Well, 2017, he was 14 and 5. That, yeah. That was a good year. I mean, was, a very good year. Yep. That was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, 3.69 ERA. In, but Innings pitched just started to wane a little. Yeah. You know, well, but, but they all he's good. got a bum knee... You know, but he taught himself to he, he taught himself to pitch when the fastball you know wasn't effective anymore. Yeah, but the last I think the last fifty wins was kind of compiling. But that's just me. I I think he's a hall of famer. Okay. You know, and I, um, I, I I think he's getting in, but you know, some people think it's a cakewalk. I I don't. But we'll see what the writers say. We'll see in five years. Yeah, I mean, cakewalk. I mean, he's too. I mean, we have John Heyman and, and John Harper saying he, 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 they have to look at it. They have to right. study it. They're, they're not, you know, but then some of the people saying, oh, he walks right in. So who knows? Well, I certainly, when you say the name CC Sabathia, I think Hall of Fame more than Mike Mussina. That's just no. my opinion. But And yeah, I, I agree with you there. But doesn't mean, but like you said, maybe the standards have been lowered. I think they have. You know, I mean, it used to be. You know, pitchers had to win 300, but obviously That's these not days happening it's not happening. So, so now is 250 the new the new standard as far as wins? It might be. Or 200 is actually the new yeah, standard as far be. as wins. Yeah, if, especially if you're only pitching five six innings, 200 would be it. Right. All it's right. going to be all about ERA. That's it. And that's all we have time for. That's all we have time for. So next time, next time we're going to talk about a, a Hall of Famer, a lesser known Hall of Famer. Well. Say lesser known. The people that, that were back in the 1800s, they knew him. Right. <laughs> but now, you know, he, he's lesser known. Right. And we'll talk about that on the next episode. The next episode. But for now, this is Jeff. And Len. Signing off. Jim Bowden, as you probably know, is the former Major League Baseball pitcher who wrote the controversial best-selling book, Ball Four. And this spring, after seven years, after retiring from baseball, he decided to make a comeback. He is now the ace pitcher for the Portland Mavericks of the Class A Northwest League. Would you welcome Jim Bowden? <laughs> <laughs>